first thing that came up was, well, probably this AOL account that I could still access and really don't use unless I'm signing up for something and I don't want solicitation. And so I give them the AOL account email address because I'm not going to check it anyway. But is it really then useless? It serves its purpose. It well, also identifies you as a person of a certain generation. Seasoned. Useful real help. seasoned. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You've got mail. <laughs> Dial up. Real, real seasoned. Hello, welcome to the Integrated Care Podcast from the Collaborative Family Healthcare Association. We are so excited to be joining you in the midst of our conference in Phoenix. We know it'll be a minute until this comes out and you're able to listen to it, but we're really excited to carry that in-person electric energy of the conference into our podcast today. Um, I'm joined by my co-hosts and we're going to go around and do our introductions the way that we always do. I'm Grace Pratt. I'm the behavioral medicine faculty at Integris Great Plains Family Medicine Residency Program in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. I'm a LMFT by license. And my icebreaker question for us uh, actually comes from a TikTok that came across my feed the other day. There's a TikToker. Her name is Icebreaker Queen. And she comes up with like great legit legitimately good icebreaker questions. This one's directly from her. And the question is, what is something that's totally useless that you still have memorized? And I will just, as an example, I will go first. I two things pop into my mind right away. One of them is my best friend's phone number from my ages, like zero to nine. I don't think the phone number exists anymore, but I can dial you to her house. I know it. I don't remember what my phone number was when I was that age, but I know hers. Do I know any phone numbers now? No, <laughs> I know none, but I can tell you that one. And the other one is the preamble to the United States Constitution, <laughs> because I had to learn it for extra credit in eighth grade. And there's a schoolhouse rock song that I listened to so many times that I will not sing for you now, but I can recite the entire preamble to the United States Constitution, helping no one but taking up space in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it, I'm excited, like I said, to have several of our co-hosts here for us with me today. Um, so we will go around the circle. And next to me is Neftali Serrano. Hey, everybody. Uh, yeah, Neftali Serrano or Neftali Serrano, whichever way you can say it. I am the CEO here at the Collaborative Family Healthcare Association, and we're on site here in Phoenix, Arizona. And excited, as Grace said, to share some of that excitement with you all. It's been a great conference. We look forward to talking about it. All right. Uh, something that takes up space that is relatively useless, although it's amazing how often I think about it, is a Latin phrase. So I went to a humanities-based uh, high school in New York City, and they required Greek or Latin. And so I learned Latin, and our Latin teacher said, if I ever see you on the street as an adult, you must repeat to me this phrase. And... I still remember the phrase, Gallia es omnis divisa in partes tres, is the phrase, it's a phrase from Julius Caesar, Gaul is divided in three parts, is what it means. <laughs> so the reason why I think about it is that so many things come in threes. That's actually where that idea comes from, from us in Western thought, that things come in threes. And so like whenever I'm doing like bullet points for a presentation, I have to do three 
It's like almost a compulsion at this point. Uh, if I do two, it just feels like something's missing. And then I think, Galia est omnis divisum partes tres. And <laughs> so it's just totally useless. Totally useless. I love it. I love it. Uh, you know, that thing that's been going viral uh, about how often do you think about the Roman Empire? That's what that made me think of right now. Uh, apparently, coming up often for you, Naftali. Uh, so going around the circle more, we also have Bridget Michi. Yeah, my name is Bridget, and I'm a licensed psychologist by trade, director of primary care behavioral health at Central Washington Family Medicine, which is FQHC in the state of Washington. Uh, that's so funny about the the Roman Empire thing. So uh, Dave thinks about it all the time, and I was like, almost never. And they did it like all across his family, and all of his male cousins were like yeah all the time and so i don't know because i heard that it was split between men and women where like women almost never think about it and men think about it a lot and i was like that is something i don't know what but it's something but yeah i almost never think about the roman empire um as far as useless uh information you know things that you memorize we had said that like i had a bunch of things going through my mind I was thinking of like, you know, stop, drop and roll in case you ever find yourself on fire. But then I was like, maybe I just haven't had to use it. You know, that might be really pertinent. So I'm saying it's useless, but it might be. And then I was like, you know, M-I-S-S-I-S-S-S-I-P-P-I um, for learning how to spell Mississippi. But one of my best friends from Mississippi. And so I'd always repeat that to her. And we just think it's funny. So to this day. Every time I'm like, oh, well, yeah, you're from MISSI. Like, I, it's just like an inside joke. So I don't know. Maybe there's nothing that's completely useless uh, because you don't know when you're going to need it. And uh, you might be able to share a moment with somebody. I love that. You know, elementary school really did leave me thinking I was going to be catching on fire a lot more often in my life yes. than I ever have. <laughs> yeah, I felt bad about saying, you know, saying that because what if you needed it that's not maybe a useless piece well, no, of it what's you yeah <laughs> thank you i love i love the stop part of drop and roll because it's like you're on fire <laughs> i think as you're like people are ready yeah at least in the like cartoon animated videos that we watch to teach us this someone's always running on fire and first you have to stop <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, next, we have Monica Harrison. Yes. Hello, everybody. Monica Harrison here, licensed clinical social worker, clinical trainer and practice coach with the AIM Center. I, you know, I'm with Bridget. I don't think anything is useless. You just might not use it a whole bunch. So I'm having a hard time thinking of something being useless because I think everything I know is amazing. Um, however, first thing that came up was, well, probably this AOL account that I could still access and really don't use unless I'm signing up for something and I don't want solicitation. And so I give them the AOL account email address because I'm not going to check it anyway. But is it really then useless? It serves its purpose. It does serve its purpose. Way to turn my question on its head. <laughs> <laughs> it also <laughs> identifies you as a person of a certain generation. Seasoned. Useful Real seasoned. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You've got mail. <laughs> dial up real real season
job. Uh, well, I'm so excited to have all of you with us um, in true conference fashion. Uh, you know, people are running everywhere, going here and there. We're still hoping that uh, Jen might be able to join us, but we will see uh, if she's able to hop on the call with us. But we're going to talk more about the conference and talk about really what, what we're learning and how we're connecting, speaking of dial up. Um, but what I would love to know first is, are there any news and notes, Natalie? Yes, if you look on our website under the Learn and Network tab, there is a uh, an events tab, and there's a bunch of training opportunities that were coming out there over the next few months, including one in November for folks interested in getting trained as care managers. And so our wonderful staff person, Daniela Hernandez, is leading that training event. It's one of the many ways in which we're trying here at CFHA to, to really um, mirror the the modern care team. So keep an eye out under that tab for future events. Is going to be a medical champion leadership training coming out in January by Dr. Andy Valeris. And uh, over the next year, you're going to see some more stuff on there for hopefully like community health workers, peer support specialists, and other folks as well. Part of the care team, I'd love to get some clinical pharmacy stuff on there also to highlight our the work our clinical pharmacists do. But anyway, look under cfha.net under the Learn and Network tab uh, for additional training opportunities. The other thing is keep an eye out. I'm in conference mode, so I'm thinking conference. Next spring in April, we have our second annual uh, virtual conference. So now we have two large group meeting times a year. We have our spring virtual conference, especially for folks who can't make the fall in-person conference that particular year. We're going to have some great stuff, content for you there. And then our fall conference then in for 2024 will be in San Antonio, Texas, um, around same time of year, October. So look out for those. CFHA.net is the best place to look at our membership stuff for conference stuff, integratedcareconference.com. Very great. Thank you so much. Um, well, I said earlier that we are in Phoenix, but I was kind of using a little bit of the royal we because through the magic of the internet, I am joining my friends in Phoenix, but unfortunately I was not able to be in person at the conference this year. So I want to hear all about it. Um, I kind of came up with three guiding questions for us. I know that our podcast co-hosts are leaders in our organization, and I've seen pictures of you guys teaching and on stage that I'm getting from other people that we have in common. Um, so I want to know, what are you teaching? Uh, you know, give us a, a thumbnail sketch of things that you're excited about, the information that you're sharing at the conference this year. But I also want to know, what are you learning? Uh, and how are you connecting? Because the conference is a lot about the information, absolutely, but also so much about the relationships. So we can start anywhere that you want to start, but tell me about it. How is it? Bridget told me it was really hot before we started recording. Meaning well, she didn't lie. the conference is fire. <laughs> oh, okay. Fire. Yeah. I like it. No. Fire but no, it is physically very hot <laughs> if you leave the hotel room. But the conference is fire. So that's Yeah, I'm saying. looking forward to hearing from you all. I haven't been able to attend either of your sessions. Um, because so much of my time here is spent like um, in meetings with people um, and all of that. Um, so I actually, I think I've probably been to like two sessions, to be perfectly honest, thus far. 
I try to get an overall picture of things, but even so, I think I'll, 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 I'll tackle the, what are you learning part first? Um, and sort of, as opposed to the, what are you teaching stuff? I think, um, I'm, I'm learning more and more here at this conference, how important, um, the role of medical champions is in, in our work and how there's a hunger for, uh, on behalf of medical providers to be a more integral part of what we're doing. Um, and, um, to, to have, have a, a home to talk about what their role is. Um, as an example, um, I actually, <laughs> this is sort of ironic, but I, I had a meeting, this person reached out to me ahead of the conference and scheduled to see me as a physician in my, in the health system that I work at. In fact, he was a resident at the family medicine clinic where I do some clinical work years ago. And, and he and I interacted, you know, on a small basis at that time, but he had no clue about CFHA or that I was, you know, a CEO here at CFHA. So we meet and he's doing all this outstanding work in Raleigh around uh, integrated care at his uh, clinic, taking care of serious, seriously mental ill patients in primary care. Um, he's big in, big into addiction medicine as well, and just doing some fantastic work. And he ran into me in the hallway and said, oh, man, uh, the conference is going great. I'm so glad I, I, I came here. It's, it's just a you know, great experience. And boy, did you hear about that clinic in Washington? They have like, they're students, they're amazing. They've got all these BHCs and all this stuff. And I was like, yeah, I know who those people are. That's Bridget's people. So I'm learning that, you know, even though a lot of our organization, our work is centered around the behavioral health side of the transformation that's needed, we need to do a better job of creating a space for the medical provider champions and giving them space and room because so, much, so many of them need that space, benefit from that space. And I'll finish with this part. My conversation with him um, extended to the place of where I saw joy on his face, which I don't see often on the faces of medical providers. And I, and I told him that. I said, I said, like, you look happy. And he's like, with a big smile, he's like, I am happy. I mean, I love working in our teams. I mean, we've got a great and he's this guy working with severe persistent mental illness as a primary care provider. And it drove home that idea that, that just like integrated care brings happiness to the members of the care team. And our medical providers are among the ones who need more of that joy. So that's sort of like a learning I'm taking with me. I'll hop on that learning too, because something similar, but not with medical providers, um, with psychiatrist um so i had been running into some of the same faces there's lots of new people which is super exciting i've met so many new i'm happy to see the old folks but i'm so happy when i meet the new people right um so there's so many new people and met this um psychiatrist and he's kind of like i think i'm the only one i'm like no you're not the only one there's other psychiatrists here he's like well how do you know i said actually I just know, but I don't know. 
but I brought one with me so I can at least introduce you to mine because I know I brought mine with me, right? Um, and so right before coming up here um, to record, I was like, oh, here's my psychiatrist and I see him. Let me connect the two of them so they can put like faces and names together because I'd already connected them via email. And just like the excitement, although we are, you know, silos is not the thing. We're talking about whole care team, but it was, I think, something for him to know, okay, he's not the only psychiatrist here. And she was like, oh, well, I've met two others. So I'm going to introduce you to them, right? So I think just that seeing the chain of connection happening is really exciting. And speaking of OGs coming on. So we have, well, first of all, our co-host, Jen Thomas, joined us. Welcome, Jen. I'm glad you're able to make it. No, you're fine. It's you're on conference time. Everything gets a little jumbly. Uh, and then you may have heard a peep of his voice. Look who just popped on our call. Our favorite Deepu George. Good afternoon. <laughs> Live and in person, not doing a, re a recorded uh, meditation for us. I know what a treat. By the way, be ready for the for the ending meditation. Okay, yeah. you got yeah. it. <laughs> Hope you came prepared, Deepu. <laughs> Always prepared. Uh, well, so I when we started the show, I had everyone introduce themselves, and then our icebreaker question for today is: What is something that is useless but you still have memorized that's taking up space in your brain? So if you have an answer to that that floats to mind, and share it. If not, go ahead and introduce yourself real quick, Jen. Yeah, um, Jen Thomas, Family Medicine, Addiction Medicine, Morris Hospital, Morris, Illinois. Um, I was a chemistry major, so um, Avogadro's number of 6.02 times 10 to the 23rd is the number of items in a mole, lowercase m-o-l, super nerd moment. So <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> That's exactly the kind of answer I'm looking for. All right, good, good. Uh, I, mine was the preamble to the Constitution because I listened to Schoolhouse Rock one too many times for extra credit uh, in eighth grade. Uh, but then also, would you introduce yourself, Deepu? I will. I was trying to think of what is a useless piece of information that I know um, that I memorize. So, Deepu George, uh, currently at CFHA, very excited to be here. I am at the University of Texas Rio Grande Valley School of Medicine and uh, do all things integrated care there. Uh, I don't consider this quite useless. I actually been a big part of my developmental years. Uh, this was my foray into learning English. So I I know the words to Gangster's Paradise. <laughs> oh my gosh. That. that was oh, the song. Gonna, so are you gonna sing it for us? You I am not us, gonna sing it. Come on. Give, just give us just give us <laughs> four bars, Deepu. Just not four. happening. I am give not us, gonna sing it. Come on. Give, just give us <laughs> Four four bars. Not happening. <laughs> Monica, Monica, drop the beat. Give me just four bars, Steve. Come on. Yeah. All right, now. But maybe, maybe a little adult libations, karaoke time. We can get it going. See you later. Uh, so I'm so excited that you guys are here for our conversation today. We're really just talking about the conference. So I floated out very broadly. What are you teaching? What are you learning? How are you connecting? And Neftali and Monica were both talking about opportunities to make space for lots of different kinds of professionals. So thinking about our medical champion 
you know, medical providers who are champions. And then Monica was talking about connecting psychiatrists together. And, you know, the conference was such an amazing opportunity to lean into that collaborative part of our name. Um, so that that's all you missed. You're caught up now. Uh, but what else are we teaching? What are we learning here in Phoenix? Well, I wanted to just tag on real quick to what Monica said, that it's uh, both a feature and sometimes a sort of a, a thing at our conference that you don't know who you're talking to sometimes. Like, are you a physician? Are you a behavioral health professional? Are you social worker? Are you a care manager or whatever? You know, so there's actually, it's it's kind of a cool thing. Like sometimes I'm talking to someone and it doesn't come out till later in the conversation, like what actual role they play on the care team. But it certainly can be tough for newer people to who want to kind of identify a little bit more with their own sort of guild and, and see other people like that. So thank you, Monica, for connecting uh, that person. And there actually are a good number of psychiatrists here. There are. That's why I was like, no, you're not by yourself. I know there's lots of them. Yeah. I just had the same experience. We actually brought her to lunch with me to Jen and uh, Beth and a physician from California First time attendee. I think I've seen more physician attendees this time around than in my previous four years, four or five years that I've been here. And that is very exciting because it kind of gets us back to that parity of mental health. And I mean, we have a lot more room to grow. And so I'm very excited to see that back in yeah. the mix. Absolutely. I sat next to a pediatrician today in a session. I was like, oh, great. It's good you're here. We bring, bring your friends next time. <laughs> so definitely good to see the medical provider representation for sure. I know that we have some leaders on our call and I also know that you're very humble people, but I wonder if you could just give us a little window into what are you teaching? What information did you bring to share that you're excited to talk about at the conference this year? Well, I'll start. Um, I had an amazing ELO yesterday um, where we had discussion around blending models of integrated care. Um, the title was really long, but basically different fruit, same bowl, um, mm -hmm. and talked a lot about it, not always being just about models, but approaches and what's the patient population on the spectrum, right? Like the spectrum, everything from kind of health focused, um, health disease focused, all the way to severe and persistent, right? And so um, just some conversation to get people to open up their mind around how to service the entire continuum um, and that you don't have to stop at one place or the other, um, that that's really not the spirit um, of integrated care. So just some conversation around that and how to make it practical and sustainable and the pieces that they need to consider to kind of make that happen. So it was well attended, lots of great questions. Um, so yeah, it was good. Yeah, I had a, so is it ELO or ELO? Cause I've been saying ELO the whole time, doesn't matter. I had an extended learning opportunity uh, and I guess I didn't even realize this, that when Dave found out that it was three hours, he extended it to a fourth uh, because we knew we would never get through the information. So it was from seven to 11 and it was awesome. We didn't stop. We had, you know, we told folks if they needed to take a break, we understood, but we went from 701 to 1059 and covered, of course, the contextual interview and a framework of basically the framework was do teach lead so do the work then how to uh, train and teach folks to do the work and then how to lead folks to doing the work and we got uh i don't even remember maybe a year ago uh dave and i basically distilled 
that leadership into see them, celebrate them, and expect of them, uh, which is a really fun, easy way of breaking down the really complex aspect of being a leader. And that your job really is to know your folks, uh, understand their values, their uh, mission, be able to celebrate the aspects that they're bringing and the work that they're able to do. And the, you know, the work, of course, aligned from a primary care perspective in our context. And then lastly, to expect of folks, so having really clear expectations and metrics and uh, we had great attendance and great questions and I really, really enjoyed it. I could, I feel like I could have kept going for, for days and it would have been fine. So. Isn't that, I, I love when you're so energized by a topic and a conversation, like, you know, that your purpose is aligned and you found your people and so much grows out of that really fertile conversation. So sounds amazing. Yeah. For those of you who are not watching and just listening, um, the smile on Bridget's face and Monica's face as they're talking is that's, that's awesome. Cause it's like, that's that energy you're talking about, right? Grace. It's like, yeah, you just see great people doing awesome stuff that they're really good at. And they're, they're getting joy out of, you know, the teaching piece. It's like, man, that's yeah. worth everything. This is not the kind of talk that the speakers putting themselves to sleep. That doesn't happen <laughs> in our group, but in this environment. Not in my I'm... sessions anyway. You know how loud I am. <laughs> <laughs> you're good. You're, you're lovely. Um, I went to Bridget and Dave's session where they highlighted Graciela from their team that was a front desk patient service rep and went and got her social work degree and, and joined the team. Oh my gosh, we were all in tears. What a great testament to investing in your people and growing the talent in your own system. It was fantastic. She was such a great speaker and um you know, I definitely think some mentorship. I think she probably got a lot of fans after that talk. It's like, how do we reproduce that? Because that's such a great um, model of what we can bring to our own clinics. So it was her first presentation. I didn't realize no <laughs> that like it was her first, I, I believe, professional presentation. I definitely at CFHA. I'll have to double check on that, but I think it might have been her first professional uh, presentation, and she was phenomenal. She had uh, everybody crying. Like we were all just like. It was, it was beautiful. Yep. She's a natural. It was, it was delightful to watch for sure. Um, my ELO was not nearly as heartfelt. We went more with a quirky game-based approach. So we, our vision was integrated care for the medical professional. And we got really inspired by Simon Sinek's work of um, the infinite game, right? So we're trying an integration to not win or be the first, but to keep playing, right? Keep playing the game. So um, I worked with Jim McKenzie, Andy and Amy Valeris and um, Amy went all out. She made a behavioral health um, BHAopoly. We literally played Monopoly with different stakeholders of, you know, the front desk and behavioral health clinicians, PCPs. It was fantastic. We had money and everything is kind of a, all right, here's a, a finite mindset. If you're trying to win and be, you know, make the most money, how does that work out for you with really cool reflections? Um, and then we flipped it and did Cranium. Anybody play Cranium back in like undergrad or high school days? I'm probably dating myself. It's kind of like trivial pursuit, but there's creative things you can do with like bodily clay and charades. Um, so that was the integrated care uh, cranium or cranium, we called it. And it was super fun. It was it was definitely an experiment. I hope people got something out of it. I think we could have played all day, but that was definitely a way to get people up and moving and interacting. So I had fun. I hope someone learned something too. 
more about the joy and all of this and the creativity and playfulness is wonderful. Well, I will say something because I was like trying to think of what I've been thinking about learning teaching. Uh, I, the Neftalino says we've been steeped in history of where we are as a community and CFH's current status and uh, looking into the future. One of the things that I've been thinking a lot about is how um, what brings CFHA its spirit is we're very grassroots, very relationship oriented. And it's also a place where we can hold uh, dignified, creative conversations. And anybody in the business of integrating behavioral health and physical health has a home here, right? And it, the conversation that I had with the physician that uh, we took to lunch today, it, part of her thing was, is this my tribe? right? Like, is this where I belong? And by the end of the lunch, Jen, what would you say she left with? Absolutely. You were sharing desserts. I mean, we were like definitely connecting and it was just, it was very cool. Uh, but yeah, you're, it's, it was a good, good connection and everyone feels at home. So good job, Deepu. <laughs> yeah. I got a, a quick comment on that. So, um, so on which day would have been Tuesday, right before we left, uh, this week, uh, I was at the executive team leadership. And so if anybody's listening from CHW, I'm sorry for telling this story. Uh, but I was giving the kudos to our CEO because she, uh, me, Dave, and her are presenting a, a tomorrow on Saturday about getting behavioral health buy-in for the organization. And so we're talking and I'm like, yeah, so we're having basically the entire team go to a conference. And so I see my CFO and she's like kind of getting an eye twitch. She's like, the entire team? And I was like, yeah, the entire team is invited. One got, uh, and one ended up getting COVID, so they're not going to be in clinic anyways, uh, which is sad. So they had to stay home. And then another one got ear infection, so she is able to go to work. So she'll be there. And then one other person. But the other 20 plus two medical providers and our CEO, we're all gone. We're all out of clinic and we're all at CFHA. So we're. T I'm saying this is going to happen. And she starts getting... I twitches and she's like, so you're saying that there's going to be basically for three days, almost no BHC visits rendered. And I was like, yep. And I was like, every single person minus our coordinator has CEU monies. It's all been budgeted. She's like, I know what's been budgeted, but I'm just saying all at once, like we need visits. And I said, I hear you. And I agree. I said, but when it comes down to BHCs, you don't worry about our visits. We will bring you those visits and we will. And at the same time, coming here for the, the inspiration, the network, the connection. First of all, you have to use your CEU money and it's budgeted somewhere. So I'm not worried about that at all. As far as it all being at once, I, I understand and I can imagine because you need a certain amount of cash flow coming in. This will buy, I don't even know how much money and what it translates it. Like this is an investment in, in, in people. So I know that from the bottom of my heart and my soul that having the team here is worth so much. And if we're going to look at it in terms of finances, it will pay itself and beyond. So I had always been taught to leave folks at home and you can only have so many people go. And I just made an executive decision a couple of years ago as the director that I said, uh, if whoever wants to go, they can go and I don't care. Because that's how, that's how much this is worth. CFHA and the connection and the juju and the vibes will last an entire year. Yeah. Uh, 
you're 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 gonna bring me to tears here, uh, Bridget, because it makes me so proud to be a part of the community and 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 lead this space and in for Deepu and myself to um, hold that same ethos and vision that it's that worth it, right? Because that is a huge investment that you're making. But I thousand percent agree. I mean, that's how, when I was a Bay Vault director, that's how I treated it because it was like, you know, what you get from a, a peer community is every year you up your game because you see your peer community getting better and better and it challenges you, it inspires you and you just try harder and smarter um, and you learn and it, it's it's just fantastic. I had someone randomly come up to me and this doesn't have to be like a how great CFHA is thing podcast, but like um, literally just before this, a guy came up to me. I don't know this guy, but uh, from Fort Myers, Florida. And he says, I have a bone to pick with you, Naftali. And I was like, oh, crap, here it comes. Someone didn't get their lunch or something or, you know, I said the wrong thing somewhere. Uh, but he was, he said, there's way too many ideas and way too many good things happening here. And I can't contain it all. I've talked to my director already back home. There's many things we have to do. And it's a result of just, you know, this conference. So obviously he was, uh, uh, kidding. I, I was taking him seriously initially. <laughs> I was like, what did I do? Um, but that that is the feeling you, you get, and I, I think I think it's awesome. It's exhausting. It's you know by Saturday you just got your your head is like ex ready to explode. But um, it is still an awesome feeling. I mean, I didn't pick a random word when I said like there's an energy that comes from this. There's a buzz that comes from our ideas, and to be able to be lifted up out of your clinical environment. And to come away, we're so close to the problems. We're so close to the barriers. We're so close to the challenges. And we live in that a lot of the days, even as we bring our best creative, brightest selves, but we're so close to it. And to be able to step out of that and have a minute to see your people, because I mean, someone said it earlier, it, it's lonely. Bridget, you said in the chat, sorry, people can't see the chat. I was going to remember. It's hard and lonely to go it alone and to be able to come with your people and to connect and to share the ideas is energizing in a way that just can't be compared to anything else. One of the sessions that I was part of was this panel of early career to late career, mid-career professionals. And when we were thinking of how to talk about what we wanted to talk about, we really settled on, let's talk about the ways that we have failed in different positions and uh, projects and things that we've tried, just to kind of level set the field to kind of say, if you're doing this hard work and trying to convince a whole world in front of you to do this work, it's frustrating, it's lonely, it's hard. And, um, and you know, towards the end, a lot of the common answers on the panelists was, CFHA is where they find that that sense of tribe and that sense of connection to improve their game and get better at what they do. I cannot imagine a conference where I've been to where I haven't gone home and changed something that I did, whether it's in my teaching, whether it's in the way I uh, present on certain topics in clinic or even just um, teach in a different way in my uh, actual didactics, right? Because of things 
and ideas that I picked up from here. So uh, I agree with your uh, critic there, Nathalie. It's just too many ideas, mm. too many good ideas. So what are we, that's the perfect transition. What are we learning? I appreciate each of you sharing the ways that you've contributed. And, and I'm so thankful. I mean, we get to have the best people on the on the podcast every month. Um, but what have you been learning while you've been there? Well, let me tell you about this thing I just learned because I'm so excited and I'm ready for them to like, just go ahead and publish it already and like, give me the manual that you are doing. Um, so that's when you know it's good when it's like, where's the manual? Give it to me, let me try it. Yeah. Um, so I went to a session where they were having conversation around um, patients in primary care that have trauma. Um, because we know it it's happening. We know it's there if we screen and ask for it. Nevertheless, let's not digress that way. But it was about prolonged exposure in primary care and how to make that happen short, brief. And so, for, so far, their data has showed that they've had a decrease in patients um, with sleep issues and suicidality in those same trauma. So trauma patients that identify um, as having sleep concerns or insomnia, as well as um, suicidal ideation. And they've shown decrease in all of those symptoms. So I'm excited. They're still doing some work. I think they're planning on publishing some stuff, but they have this manual and I'm like, give it to me. I'd like to test it out with you. Yeah, do you remember who the uh, presenters were? This is Bridget's question. Uh, was yes. It, um, was it uh, Stacey Last Obeid? name, so Jennifer Funderbrunk, which I know, but then it was uh, last name R-A-C-H. Don't know how to pronounce oh, it, no. so I don't want to get your yeah. name wrong. Um, but yeah, so Jennifer kind of approached more of the CBTI um, intervention and then um, R-A-C-H, because again, I don't want to get it wrong, Ratch. Rage. If I got it wrong, girl, you could just tell me. Present it kind of just on what they've been doing, their findings, what the sessions look like, um, kind of all of that. And they have a manual and they're testing it out. And I want it like yesterday. Uh, yeah, share that. So listeners, first go back and listen to our July podcast on trauma and PTSD and interdisciplinary care, and then join us in finding this manual and changing how we treat trauma. That's amazing. I'll, I'll just say that I think one of the things that I'm sort of learning is sort of, so one of the ways that I use CFHA kind of is to beta test ideas. Is the community ready for this idea? Um, is this idea something that other people are thinking about? And so one of those is sort of like a pretty subversive idea around when do we get to start talking a little bit about primary care as a whole and how it needs to make some shifts. And I'm learning, I, I just through conversations, I'm just learning that, yeah, there's, there's people who are um, ready to at least have the conversation, even if we don't have solutions. And what I mean by that is basically, you know, one of the things that subverts our, our efforts in, in integrated care is that, um, you know, primary care really hasn't adapted its service delivery model in forever. And we're still expecting primary care providers to see 20 some odd patients a day, 15 minute increments, and be the bottleneck for all the care team services, basically. And that model doesn't make sense for a whole lot of reasons, not the least of which is we're burning out providers as a result of that. 
and we're using we're misusing the skills of primary care providers who have highly trained skills in particular areas, but we're using them for a lot of scut work, a lot of triaging, um, a lot of like patient and relations management. Basically, whoever shows up on that schedule, those 22 patients, what percentage of that actually need to see the primary care provider as the main point person for that visit? And I think there's some really kind of subversive ideas that we could think about where primary care providers are more consultants than needing to be the point person for each and every visit. They are operating at a much higher level for a subset of patients and using their care team, using their BHCs, using their care managers, using their consulting psychiatrists, using their uh, consulting pharmacists, dietitians. Uh, strategically to be the point people for more and more of these visits so that care is distributed across the team. And I think if that, if we're able to get to that place and have conversations as a community about that, that unlocks a whole lot uh, for our efforts in integrating physical and behavioral health and in ameliorating what is clearly a key workforce issue of overburdened overworked primary care providers. So um, I'm not saying that we're there, but I do see people starting to have some of those thoughts and conversations. And it'll be interesting to see over the next 10 years. Like if I we shoot forward to CFHA 2033, you know, what kind of conversation we're having about primary care. I'll, I will tell you this, I know it's going to be different. The world of primary care will be dramatically different in 10 years. I think the question is, as a community, are we going to be part of the conversation about how that transformation happens so that it's to the benefit of both our patients, their families, but also the workforce? Yeah, I'll speak for myself here. I think I'd like to envision a world where documentation burden, and I know that sounds bad saying burden, oh, we're so overworked, but working smarter, not harder, like the team roles, you know, like I know I don't have teammates working to the level of, of their capability and licensure. And there's a lot of, you have to put the order in because you're the physician. And I get that on like the legal risk side, but I don't know, on the human side, it's like, but I'll be able to reach more patient lives if I'm connecting with people, if I'm having conversations with them and not worried about how many hours I'll be charting tonight. And if I can make it to my kid's soccer game on Saturday, or if I get charts to do and not to like bemoan that point, but um, that's just a part of the, the thing that we got to really think about the person doing the work too, and um, trying to know, make it more person-centered. I don't know. Yeah, not to get on the high horse about this, but Jen, my concern is I, I actually think that that problem will be solved even in the next few years. I think AI is going to be good enough to be listening in on our conversations and your documentation burden will probably be mostly taken, taken off your shoulders. I feel pretty confident about that. My concern is that if we don't under change the underlying paradigm, your CEO or CFO is going to say, great. You can see four additional patients a day. That's what they'll say. <laughs> right? Yeah. And like that can't be the future here if we if we leverage innovations of those kinds, just like the same thing with behavioral health integration. There's some CFOs are like, great, we were giving you a BHC. You should be able to see X number more patients a day. No, that is not why we're doing this. 
We've got to rethink the way we think about taking care of populations and be more proactive about how we design our schedules at a very core level so that it's less reactive and more uh, intentional, basically, a more mindful way of practicing medicine that says, okay, we've got this patient coming in today. They're coming in for X reason. This teammate is the one to take the to lead on this, right? We don't need this one person being the first person every single time. And and the more we decrease the randomness and increase the mindfulness, I think the more we get to a system that's just more rational, more sustainable for everybody. That's that's what it looks like in my head, in a way. And the last question that I had for us is how are you connecting at this conference? And I'm here coming through as we're talking about learning, as we're talking about you know, the relationships that we've built, but how have you felt connected? I feel like just showing up is like, that's all is needed. Just being at CFHA, there's a certain sense of uh, excitement. I've been thinking a lot about, even when I sit with patients, sit with trainees, it's just asking them how things, how do they sense things out through, not what they just thoughts and head, but how does it feel in the body? It's like a sense of felt sense of safety, felt sense of joy, uh, felt sense of anxiety or whatever that may be. Just walking into, and at least for me, uh, seeing the board, seeing Jackie, Liana, Martha, Daniela, Julie, all of these uh, staff members that work with Zahanna and, and Neftali, like that's that was like enough for me. And there's like lots of transitions in, in, in my background and kind of different, um, different, things that I'm going through, but I'm able to temper all of that just by showing up uh, and being here and being able to have conversations. Yeah, I, I don't think Jen and I had like really connected before the conference. And so Jen reached out to kind of say, can we go grab lunch? And we had two others that we brought along with that. And to me, that's the fundamental joy of CFHA. Uh, it's these connections, uh, shared meals, shared laughs, lots of hugs. Um, and that's uh, kind of intentional for me. Also, being able to connect with some of the founders and uh, what I call like our seasoned champions of integrated care, um, just getting to see them and thank them. That's been great. Um, and, and it's an honoring experience for me. Yeah, you don't have to do much. Honestly, and I, I can say that as an as an introvert, I know I'm in this position. And so people stop me and stuff. But even when I was not CEO, I mean, I'm an introvert. I, conferences take a lot out of me. Um, and so just, I mean, if you just show up and participate in some way in a session, raise your voice, say something, someone's going to stop you at the door. Hey, I feel like what you said you know, blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden, you know, um, or, you know, I think about the way we've all developed friendships over the years. Um, I mean, I met Bridget through CFHA um, and I hear what she's doing at her clinic. I'm like, dang, these guys, like they're, they know what they're doing. Like, this, you know, and then I start, you know, connecting and learning more about, you know, where they're from, what they're thinking, who, who, who they're connecting with and all that. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's an interesting experience to show up and get connected without doing a whole lot. I think you'd have to actually try to not get connected. To you'd, have, you'd have to be working hard, I think. 
yeah, I love everything about CFHA. Like, it still kills me that I had to miss uh, in 2019 for a family wedding on Dave's side. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I still blame him. It's fine. Um, I still kind of feel like I missed out on that. So uh, it, it's like the it's like a holiday. It's like the one time a year where you get everybody like minded together and to hear all the stuff that folks are doing and a billion percent agree that about just being here. So I try to make myself physically available as much as possible and be here from the very early and all the way uh, to, you know, in the hotel bar at the end of the night, because I know that I'm going to run into uh, people and, you know, some folks like, you know, when I was starting out, it meant everything that Patty uh, took time to talk to me or Jody Palaha uh, took time to talk, or Neftali, Stacey Obai. In the beginning, that's like, like the fact that they like st said hi to me or just like asked me what I was doing meant the world. And so if I can give that back in a small way for some of the newbies and then for the OGs, then it's, of course, you know, we're sharing, we're sharing good times or making new memories. I love it. Well, I, you know, the, the, Conference is such a lovely time of connection. Our podcast is a wonderful time of connection. And I'm just so excited that all of you took this moment to pause uh, and that we could be together here and, and share in the energy and excitement of the conference. And I hope that it translates for our listeners too, who are listening back later. Grace, do you see the uh, fatigue on our faces? Like, do you see... So oh yeah, I mean it's there. It's the, the the joy and the tiredness are for sure mixed in. Uh absolutely. It's it's all worth it, as we said before. Uh well, we have such a treat uh to have our ending closing done live instead of piped in for later. So Deepu. All right. Uh for our community, uh, this is a poem by William Ernest Henley called Invictus, and I slightly adapted it to be about community than in an individual. Out of the night that covers us, black as the pit from pole to pole, we thank whatever gods may be for our unconquerable souls. In the fell clutch of circumstance, we have not winced nor cried aloud. Under the bludgeonings of chance, our heads are bloody but unbowed. Beyond this place of wrath, and tears looms but the horror of the shade, and yet the menace of the years finds and shall find us unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments a scroll. We are the masters of our fate, and we are the captains of our souls. Thank you, Deepu. Monica, Jen, Bridget, Naftali. Thank you, Kevin. Kevin, you do an amazing job. Yes. yes. Shout yes. out to Kevin, everybody. Oh yep. my God. The magic behind the voices. Take us out. Take us out, Kevin, to Gangster Paradise. <laughs>